Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, the professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. We want you to be part of the conversation. Smash the thumbs up button, jump in the chat, and uh, call into the show at 252-228-5098, and you can talk with my co-host, my producer, Cody Lashney. Welcome back. Tony Dunn, I'm pumped. It's another Tuesday night, and you know there's nowhere I'd rather be than right here sitting with you boys talking Panthers football with the most lit Panther fans in all of YouTube. And you already know the names, man. Sideshow Rob, that man that was here, 89J Stubbs, AJ Lindsay, Alex Stark, Joey the Blind Panther, Esquivel, Craig Cartner, Tim Estes, Trill One, Panthers rules, and last but not least, Nick Montiero, Tony Dunn. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Tonight's show, we got a, well, fasten your seatbelts. We got a lot to talk about. The Tonight's show is called Panthers O-Line, set to use I-85 formation while Little gets long flight to Miami. That is a <laughs> mouthful of a title, Cody. And yeah. uh, if I was going to name this show, mine would have been a little, it would have been littler. And, uh, oh, man, that <laughs> fell on deaf ears. Well, no, my show title. Yeah, a little too late. My show would have, my show title would have been Camp Cuts Little by Little. Anyway, uh, tonight right. we'll be talking about the first round of Camp Cuts today. NFL teams were required to drop down from 90 to 85 uh, players. Um, so we saw, you know, that very first and small cut um, across the NFL. Greg Little was traded. We just talked about how we really didn't think he was going to be make this team. The Panthers are, sent him to Miami for a seventh-round pick. We'll talk about that. Luke Keekley spotted in another town, another city, with another team hanging out with the Buffalo Bills during their training camp. The top 100 players still coming up. Did the Panthers get snubbed? Did any of them make it? And, boy, there's been a lot of discussion and focus on the Panthers' offensive line. We're going to get into all of that tonight on this longest-running Panthers podcast, the C3 Panthers podcast. And we've got CK in the house. Welcome to the show, my friend. What up? Hey, man. Uh, I'm just I'm just happy to have film to watch, to, to have news to actually talk about. This is great. Pumped. We have a ton to talk about. Don't forget, tonight's show is powered by Avolta. If you're a homeowner in North or South Carolina, you can own your own energy with Avolta. 
no money down, add equity to your home, take advantage of tax cuts um, at the federal state level, get a fixed energy rate for the rest of your life. If you contact Kevin Brown, solar consultant, Panther fan and say, hey, C3 Panthers podcast said you're the guy to help me achieve energy independence. 704-215-3373. All right, let's jump into the show, guys. The first cuts came out today. And really, um, the Panthers did not have to do as much work as at first thought because by moving uh, Troy Pride Jr., who suffered a knee injury, to IR, that becomes one player. Then you also get um, the trade of Greg Little makes another player. And then the Panthers... Uh, cut Rod Smith, Matt Kasky, Mike Pazanuk, Austin Larkin, and Nate Hall. They still cut five people. One, two, three, four, five. I wonder if they had to cut five people still. Yeah. I would think the IR. In fact, I had a story up earlier. It said this. The Panthers released fullback Rod Smith, waived uh, injured center Mike pa- Panasuk. Never even heard of him. Waived injured linebacker Nate Hall. Those three roster moves plus the news a little. Uh, being dealt and pride landing on the injured reserve brings them to 85. So two kind of conflicting sources. None of those names uh, mean anything to us. And the ones that we do know, most people don't like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, real quick, shout out to 89 J Stubbs who says, Cody, you called Slater JC. And I think you're right about left tackle and right tackle. Maybe not week one, but weeks three through four. Uh, thank you very much, and we're definitely going to talk about that a lot more later. Um, but, Tony, to add to the, uh, this news about cuts, I also think that Greg Little trade also kind of helped, too, even though it doesn't officially count as a cut. I mean, dude, we shipped him out of here, and we ended up – dude, shout-out to Scott Fitterer at least getting a seventh-round pick in the process, right. a 2022 seventh-round pick. And once again, we've kind of seen the – uh, the th- thought process that Scott Fitterer implements. He wants to be able to have a bunch of darts to throw at the board and just t- to be able to add a lot of talent to the football team. I don't mind it. To me, it just solidifies what we already knew. Greg Little was a bust, and Marty Herney was a terrible general manager. And the proof continues to still be in the pudding year after year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Will Greer is next. This final kind of str- the final straws of the Herney era, like really take any of the argument we had that he was mediocre or marginal, right? Is that um, even if he, if anything, he was consistent. He consistently picked first round gems and then nobody else. As Little was shipped off for a seventh pick, a second round pick, I believe. Sports Nut on Twitter pointed this out to me. Don't forget, and I'm not reading this quote, I'm paraphrasing it. He sent me this on Twitter. Don't forget that the Carolina Panthers had a first round grade on Greg Little. Some people said he said attempted to move back up into the first round to get him after they selected Brian Burns. And then they even traded into the second round, all of that culminating with nothing but a seventh round pick. So to me, the final stains on the Marty Herney legacy, right? I mean, legacy is actually kind of a a word that probably shouldn't be used. But the final stains, Greg Greg Little, how they had to aggressively go after him in a way 
and how bad it turned out. Names like Trey, uh, who was that? Galden, Rashad Galden, come to mind. Galden, um, Jordan Scarlett. Yes, and then the one that we've talked about the most in the past week, Will Greer. Right. So these types of things, I think, put the nail in the coffin when it comes to Marty Herney. But like a cockroach, he always lives and he lives right now with the Washington football team. I wonder what they're going to say about him in a year or two, because he set us back tremendously at the end. Uh, Any more? Well, CK, Greg Little. Right. um, Was he was with the bums in the in the final game. Right. 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 I mean, the the writing was on the wall. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. Um, I'm not. I'm not happy that you know uh, that we have to waste a, a, a second round pick on this guy, you know, in order to get to this point. But I mean, I, I listen. Cut ties early and get moving on. You know, stop. Uh, stop living in the past, and that's what we were doing. We were living in a in a uh, in a hopeful world, and the dude has not shown anything up to this point. So, I mean, I I I, I wanted him to work out. Like I desperately liked him. Like I desperately wanted him to work out because I liked him so much early on, and and now we're here. <laughs> Could you imagine who would have been a bigger first round draft bust, Kelvin Benjamin, or maybe you can throw Vernon Butler into that list? But imagine if we had traded back into the first round. If we had traded for him, for he's the biggest Greg bust. Little. If we had traded then, into the we first still round. traded for him. That if was the problem. Yeah, we yeah. traded up into the second round. But then imagine if Brian Burns wasn't there and we took homeboy with the 16th overall pick, which apparently was in consideration. Dude, just talk about lack of offensive line uh, evaluation from from Marty Hurney. And to be honest, as we get into it, I even have a gripe with our current coaching staff. Um, and I, I think there's some politics at play between Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer a little bit going on right now, too. Not a big contentious story, but again, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to see because I have been watching the discussion. We have, you know, we're in parts of these kind of groups that have these like uh, group t- uh, Twitter, Twitter things going on. Uh, I have. I follow so many, like my whole t- Twitter feed is just Panther fans, right? So like I follow like 4,000 Panther fans. So sometimes you can almost see, kind of get a temperature of the room. You know what I'm saying? You get a read on the room. And what I've seen over the last kind of couple of days is, and this is from all around the board. This is from people that that follow the team c- c- crazy close. This is from the reporters this is from just re- general fans that I don't really know that well. There's been a focus on this offensive line. And some of the questions, if we go back to this, if we go back to the title of the show, O-line set to use I-45, I-85 formation. It's a reference to um, Matt Rule discussing the plan going forward with this offensive line. And he said, he made an analogy like I Would you I-85. like me to play that clip? I have Oh, it. yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it right now. It's a good time. Sure thing. Yeah, but we're a work in progress. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're like I-85 on the way down here. We're under construction. So we've got, we've, got, uh, we've got some work to do. And what we really need is we need some – you know, we, we need some of our young players to come along. You know, and I thought uh, we saw some of that from some guys the other night. Yeah, but we're- 
So making the I-85 analogy in regards to our offensive line, uh, basically saying that it's a work in progress. and It's under this, construction. Yeah, under construction. And this kind of brings me to my whole point that I kind of disagree with what the coaching staff is doing. Um, I don't feel like we're putting forth our best foot at every position. Um, because as of today, um, Cam Irving, as you have said, Tony, you have been calling it that Cam Irving is going to be our left tackle. Well, the Panthers confirmed that today. But what's funny is the backups at both of those positions. Because Taylor Moten is both our starting right tackle and our backup left tackle. So what this kind of leads me to believe is, is that Scott Fitterer made a bunch of free agent signings this year. He brought in uh, Perriman. He brought in Hassan Reddick. He brought in Pat Elfline. And he brought in Cam Irving. And if none of those guys are going to make your first team roster and you brought them in in free agency, well, what does that say about your ability to evaluate? So right now, I think based on the contracts that we gave those four players, there pretty much isn't a scenario where those four guys aren't going to start. Read me and, the read me the list again of the uh, the free agent. The so it was Irving. Yeah. So Cam Irving. All right. Pat Elfline, who's currently right. tabbed as our starting left guard. Uh, that is Hassan Reddick and Denzel Perriman. And All right. I well, here, here, there's two names on this uh, on this list right here that should start despite just being free agent acquisitions, no matter what. And that's Reddick and Perryman. Right? They're like uh, we we don't have any, we've talked about the lack of depth at li- at linebacker, and both of those are technically listed as linebacker. We can argue about Hassan Reddick and the role he's going to play and. Will he pan out? Um, but I, I, so you're saying this is that this offensive line was predetermined before training camp. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I would like to say that if, you know, Taylor Moten continued to look good at left tackle and Brady Christensen, you know, we still have more preseason games to play. If Brady Christensen continues to play well on that right side of the line, I would like to think that we would go with the best guy at the best position. But right now, I think we brought in Cam Irving to be our left tackle, and the Panthers are kind of content to do just that. Um, and their backup plan, which I still think it, you know, isn't going to happen eventually because I just don't flat out trust Cam Irving to be our left tackle. I think that if that plan fails, they're going to revert back to what I've been calling this entire time. Taylor Moten on the left side and Brady Christensen on the right. Well, I think that, you know, I, I almost don't even think that the politics of it are really as much as I think we're almost reading too much into it. I'd like to remind two things about Irving and Elfline is that they were both first day signings and free agency yeah. for very small potatoes in the end. Right. Is that we were we aren't praising. And I don't think Scott Fitter and Matt Rule are are just in love with these guys so much but they also knew they had to address the offensive line and they were probably going to be unable to break the bank for a left tackle with the eye on potentially re-signing Taylor Moten right so they had to act right imagine if they didn't do anything and then we're talking about this conversation so I don't think we're so financially tied 
to this lineup. But I do think we're interested in starting with a more veteran and seasoned like players, at least to begin, because if any of these guys get hurt, then we're going to start to shuffle, right? If any of these players just play poorly, then you're going to start to shuffle. And let's be honest, how many offensive lines go throughout a season, even the first six games, without some sort of injury or something? So I don't think they're overly tied to these guys. Like, you know, but here's the thing is why risk them getting hurt? Right. Why risk them getting reps when you know, or giving them reps while not giving the young guys the reps, and then all for maybe in week two somebody goes down, and then you're like, hey, we got to put this other guy. Imagine if they started Brady Christensen at left uh, at right tackle, put Taylor Moten over there, and then you know, like, uh, and somebody goes down. Right. That's kind of when Brady Christensen should have to step in there. It's almost too pressure, too much pressure to start those guys from day one. I mean, we'll, we'll see. You know, I, again, I we're, we're going to need to see more from players that we just haven't seen a lot of. Right. Pat out, Pat offline is certainly included. Cam Irving is certainly included. Um, I, I just think that Cam has a, a history with being hurt. Um, and, you know, if you listen to what, uh, Cowboys fans have said about Irving, as you know all too well, Tony, they're not very complimentary. So uh, I, I think that we have something good um, at some point tonight. I've even got some clips uh, queued up from our boys, Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown playing on the right side. And I think both of them played very well. I was very impressed with what I saw. There were some ups and down plays from Brady Christensen, but more so, ups there was a lot of positives a lot to like again i think it's trending in that direction but um only time will tell by the way shout out 89 j stubbs uh to be honest uh tells me cam already hurt and he's not lasting you might not be wrong man irving what is he dealing with uh he's been having like these like shoulder issues mm-hmm. which is not well, good you, you might you're... get your wish then yeah I think we're going to love it. And I, I, I wish that they would just, like, commit to it because they're still giving Taylor Moten reps at left tackle, but, like, they're trying to give him some at right, some at left. Dude, if you're going to have him make a full-time transition, like, get ahead of the curve now. Have him going up against Brian Burns every snap so he's having to get used to that speed rush and let him acclimate to the position that I feel he's inevitably going to play in it. Let me ask you a question because it seems to be the um, the consensus. I've heard this multiple times. People have said that they have, like Taylor Moten has had an opportunity at left tackle before, and he didn't do well. Is that true? Is so it maybe he, a college thing? So uh, the first game of the year when we played the Dallas Cowboys, right? Uh, he was our left tackle during that whole game. Now I've seen a what bunch year of was that? What year I think was it was that? 2017 or 18? Chat knows. Chat, help us out. What? What year was that when we played? So he was like either a rookie or a second year player then. Yeah. Well, I think it was, I think it might've been his second year. Um, But I, either way, he was, you know, a lot of people, well, forget what a lot of people said, dude. I felt like he did good in that game against the Cowboys on the left side. Granted, it was early in his career. I think he's come a long way. And the point that I've been making on Twitter is, 
we're not going to pretend like other tackles haven't made this transition before. Like there haven't been other tackles that have moved from one side to the other. Jordan Gross right. did it once upon a time. I'm not saying that it's easy to do and that it's just a simple switch. I would never say that. But it has been done before. And for everyone saying that Taylor Moten can't do it, like, uh, it, just say that you, not you guys, but just say that you don't believe in Taylor Moten to switch. Because I do. I think he's a good enough of a player to be able to switch and, and play left tackle. But I have a question. Is um, So I saw a salesman in the chat. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's always a good follow. Um, he was talking about, because I brought up that, is that Gross was a right tackle when his first year, and then he switched over. He reminded me that Gross played left tackle in college, though. Right? Uh, Moten played right tackle, I believe, in college. I yeah, think played, that's right. He played right tackle and he played for Michigan State or something like that. Yeah. Um, but Brady Christensen played left tackle in college. Yeah. So, um, if we are, would it be would it behoove the Panthers after the first game where the beloved Trent Scott, by many people, right, uh, had a awful game or a tough a tough outing? Would it behoove the Panthers? to maybe give Brady Christensen a chance to play a little bit on the left side in a more intense environment than just uh, the twos on in practice one time, right? Say, hey, we want you to try it out this week for a quarter and see how you do. Because if he shows that kind of similar, like what you have been praising him as a decent to good showing actually you said a good showing a very good showing for his yeah. first nfl action imagine if he put a product that was close to that at left tackle could you then have a little bit more faith if you have determined in your mind that you want to keep moting on the right you want irving to start on the left but you're worried about injuries you're worried about play and if christensen comes out and plays semi-okay then you kind of get to keep moting where you want. Yeah, I would like to see it. Um, apparently, Brady right now is number four on our left tackle depth. So it, he's below Scott Irving. He's below a bunch of people. Um, I mean, listen, I would love to see him get some reps and try him out on that side. Like, I don't see why not, you know, play, uh, you know, give him some some reps and, and let him see if he can do it. But um, I, I genuinely uh, feel like he's better suited to play right tackle. One of the things that I did learn from watching more of his college film and um, this last game against the Colts is that Taylor Christensen is very athletic. I mean, his Brady Christensen. Set, yeah, Brady Christensen. His kick set is very, uh, very good. He rarely ever lets the edge rusher get to his back foot. Granted, it was only the first preseason game. But he's really good at resetting his feet. He keeps a low base. Um, he, he really is a, a very talented prospect. And I thought that he looked good on that right side. Uh, Matt Rule even echoed those sentiments, uh, lit, saying basically that Christensen would be our backup right tackle. So uh, him and uh, Trent Scott would be in consideration for that backup right tackle. So uh, he's definitely been impressive, but he has more learning to do. 
I think uh, Matt Rule did highlight Christensen's performance, right, as one that was, you know, he was pleased with in that right. first preseason game. Another one was Kenny Robinson's performance, I believe. Didn't he say that that, like, he really stood yeah. out and that, that pro football focus ranked him as well? I'm trying to think if right. there were any other players he highlighted in that moment. But, you know, um, I think this is before we draw too many conclusions, we have very little information at this point. Right. Yeah. Like we have a small data set to work with. So we'll get some more information this week when the Panthers square off against the Ravens. And particularly, I'd be interested to see if they just say, we're going to do what we did last week. We're not going to start any starters again and just keep doing what we're doing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, all right, let's move on to the next topic. Luke Keekley spotted in Buffalo with the Buffalo Panthers, hanging out with his old boy, Sean McDermott, um, this is the third sighting of Luke Keekley in training camps. Washington football team gave a talk to the linebacker group, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then now with the Buffalo Panthers, AKA the Buffalo bills, um, you know, I think is that people are just get a little sad when they see a guy that they wish could pl- wish had three more years in them because he was so good. Um, but Luke Keekley exited the game not too early, right? Dealt, dealt with some severe concussion issues, right? These weren't little concussion issues. We saw, I saw, I was there at the Jacksonville game where he got really banged up. That was a long time ago. He had a couple of years in a row where he had some problems. Remember, he wore the the fancy collar that made your brain slightly swell so it didn't yeah. bang around your head as, as much. Yeah. Um, so I just look as Luke Keekley could have, you know, with a couple more years been in the running for Carolina Panthers greatest player ever, right? Challenging the great Steve Smith. Or even, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people would call him the Cam Newton of the defense, right? Uh, in a way. But the premature exit has made us all not premature, the exit with the Matt Rule years um has made us all up in our feels about this. Right. All right. What have you guys heard about this Luke Keekley talk? CK, do you want to go first on this? Because I kind of have a, a strong, a strong um, kind of unexpected opinion. So why don't you jump on this first? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, he was been around the Panthers training camp, too. I mean, I don't I think we're just, uh, you know, grass. Anybody who thinks that he's going over there to possibly sign up to be a coach or even possibly come out of retirement you're you're joking i mean there's just no possible way this guy is about to do that you know what i mean um but i mean i'll, I'll let you go cody because i know yours is probably a little bit deeper than just a simple you know there's nothing to say uh you know about it you know yeah i mean so people are getting really upset at this and i think it's just because it's very visceral seeing this all-time great panther with all decked out in the buffalo bills uniform or all the you know the hat and the shirt but um, listen, I kind of think, uh, and I put this out on, on Twitter too, I, I think that Luke Kingsley is still trying to figure out what shape and fashion he wants to be involved with football. Because it's obvious to me, this man still wants to be around the game. And I think if he had his own druthers, he would still be playing football. But right. as we've mentioned and as we've well documented, his body betrayed him. I mean, we all remember that emotional retirement speech that he gave to everyone where he broke down in tears. Luke Kixley loves football. 
And, you know, he also gave the front office thing a try for whatever reason. We don't know why that didn't turn out well, but he ended up deciding to not do that anymore. And at this point in time, when Luke Kickley is trying to figure out life after football and what that looks like for him, Luke is trying to surround himself with the mentors that he had that elevated his game to another level. Guys like Ron Rivera, who is a huge mentor of his, who he's also been talking with uh, the Washington football team. Sean McDermott played a gigantic role in the development of Luke Kickley. So it's not a surprise to me that as Luke Kickley is going through this moment in his life where he's trying to figure out football, he wants the advice of these other guys that he's looked up to for so long. And to also see how other football organizations are are running their, you know, their facilities, their football team, kind of just getting the lay of the land so Luke Kickley can eventually make the decision on what he wants to do with his life, if he wants to be a coach right. or or whatever that'll be. I don't view this as some uh, betrayal uh, to the Carolina Panthers, like a lot of uh, fans have been quick to jump to. That's all just nonsense to me. I think Luke um, is trying to figure out his football life and is wanting right. to get some different looks. And I don't blame him for that at all, man. And, you know, I think I speak for a lot of Panther fans is that I'm pulling for this dude no matter what he does. Right. No matter what team he signs for, I'm a Luke Kickley fan to the rest of my life. I would love him to coach for the Panthers at some point in time. But no matter what he does, Dude, he deserves to be happy, and I think that he's going about the right process of doing that right now. I forgot that uh, one of the things we'll circle and you know, kind of get past Luke Keekley at this point because I, my last comment is this: is uh, when when you play at that like what it, the require um, the commitment it takes to be that type of player, right? To be one of the greats, football is part of your identity whether you want it to be or not, right? And so even if Luke Keekley wanted to just go fishing, step away for a while, right, is it's in his blood. And think about this. We're up yeah. here every Tuesday night talking about football, and I just like watching it. Yeah. yeah right? Imagine it being your fucking blood, dude. Like you can't get out. It, no matter, even if you think it's best for you to step away, right? Like you just yeah. can't, can't help it. Uh, part of your DNA. So... Um, it will be interesting to see how Luke Keekley, how he kind of scratches that itch over time, right? Is is just showing up at training camp, you know, still getting to, you know, bang around with the guys or whatever on the sidelines for a little while. Is that enough? Or is there sort of some sort of deeper, is this a seed, something that's growing, you know, into more that could, like you say, lead to a next phase him finding where he wants to land and maybe that's him football it doesn't seem like he's interested in commentating or anything like that so i did want to circle back to this is that we i said that um as i look at panthers twitter then there's kind of a temperature that um you can kind of tell and one is the focus i said of on the offensive line we talked about earlier but i have also noticed that in conjunction with that discussion there has been a little, I, I think the um, romance is wearing off the puppy love 
or what do they call it? It's like that, you know, right? You know, you when you fall in love with someone, or actually when you meet someone you're very attracted to, it's not love. It's actually your brain. Uh, you produce these chemicals in your brain. So it's like, you know, remember when you're like in high school and you date a girl and like she couldn't do anything wrong, right? I mean, she put uh, mayonnaise on her french fries and you thought that was gross or, um, and then for about six weeks, everything, you can't stop talking. And then the six week marker hits and you're like, man, mayonnaise on these french fries, the breath kind of stinks and I don't really like you that much. And I and the chemicals are wearing off on your brain that have told you that those things were cool, right? This kind of puppy dog love. Um, the same chemicals are produced in chocolate, right? And you know, when you eat chocolate, yeah, ser- yeah. I don't know if it's serotonin, whatever. Right. I don't even know. And yeah, um, is it, it's that's why heroin addicts, like when they're coming off of heroin, they eat chocolate because it also produces some sort of similar thing. But who am dopamine. I talking about? I'm talking about Matt Dopamine. I'm talking about yeah, Matt Rule. Dopamine. Yeah. I think that there is a little more. Hey, uh, the the love period is wearing off a little bit. Honeymoon um, phase. And, and, and now, yes, there it is. Honeymoon phase. That's the wording I was looking for. Because right now, I'm starting to see people go, this offensive line stuff, untenable. Right. It needs to be better than this. Then you start to think, hey, we got sold Teddy Bridgewater. Now we got Sam Darnold. And there's a contingent of people that we don't know what we're going to get with Sam Darnold. And I do believe Sam Darnold could be a very boomer bust prospect like you have been describing, Cody. Right. So it could be awesome. It could be fantastic. And if it works, it's going to seem brilliant. But if it fails, it's going to be the third successive quarterback failure in a row. Right. For the Carolina Panthers, because we have to remember Cam and these backups of Heineke and Will Greer. That's the first phase of it. Then the Teddy Bridgewater phase, then the Sam Darnold phase. So I start to think that Panther fans are, I don't know how long, how long of a leash, not leash. I don't think it'd be fired. But after, if we don't have a pretty good season this year, I think people are going to start to say, if Matt Rule doesn't put up, in year three, we're, yeah. I think people start to question them. Um, CK, you want to jump first on this? I mean, I think that there's – you ask Bat Daddy, I think, that that's been a, a concern already from the get-go, right? Yeah. Um, yep, you're right. I don't, I don't know that I'm necessarily worried about um, worried about them yet. Um. Because, I mean, we are in year two, and we haven't even seen a single play that's taken place in year two yet. Right. Now, does that mean that there aren't some things for concern? Like, there have been things people have talked about with um, with regard to the communication issues, with uh, false starts, with all this stuff. I mean, Matt Rule has said his communication has been the issue with those situations. So, like, you almost wonder, how are we still dealing with that, you know, a, a year later? Um. Honestly, I think any offensive line issues, I don't know if you can blame that necessarily on Matt Rule. I think you'd have to really take into consideration we have a new GM who's just come in and uh, evaluated this team for his for himself, and then they decided to go with somebody that wasn't a left tackle um, until, what, uh, the third round? And, uh, yeah. 
And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not concerned about him. And if, if we end this year worse than we did last year, even then I'm done. Yeah. He's, he's, I think, I, I think he's going to get three up. seasons. I think, I mean, I do think he's going to get three seasons, but I think this season could really turn kind of the, the, the critics either draw more critics on board a right or turn people or turn those critics to even more hypercritical. There's right. two things that step stuck out to me that people were talking about today. One was that, um, and this can and can be related to Joe Brady a little bit. And one of the points was the concern uh, in the fourth quarter of the game in Indianapolis, while the and the attitude of playing to win the game, like these games where it's about winning games too. Like we're trying to develop this winning culture. And um, you've got Will Greer in there, and they said they didn't have a silent count. On the road, no silent count. The Colts make a comeback, and it was clear that there were some limitations there. Now, I, I I can actually think that's a valid point. Is like, man, when when do you, you don't practice these at the last second? You should kind of be working on these things incrementally, right. even in training camp. So I think it's a valid criticism. But I've also heard people say, look, nobody games plans at all in the first and second game right. right no scheming no nothing it's just like get out there play as hard as you can and play as vanilla as you can i heard um a lavar arrington talking about this as he said that uh when he played for steve spurrier that in the preseason they like let all the punches fly they were watching tape they were scheming they were putting out these plays out there and he said we went four and oh uh, in the preseason and then only won like three more games the rest of the year because we showed everything <laughs> and he actually loves coach Spurrier so my thing is is that the vanilla offenses I understand them but that's one criticism was the the uh, snap count um, and a continuation of your member of this is what people would say hey remember when Teddy Bridgewater said the Panthers don't practice the red zone right pivot to that discussion and another one I saw was that they let Frank Wright uh, run the joint practices. Like he was the bigger leader and kind of Matt Rule was deferring. Two things on that. Harbaugh is a veteran coach in the NFL. And, and right, right. So Frank, or I think it was the Frank. Yeah, yeah, right, I think they were right, talking right, about right, any. Yeah, pardon me. Uh, but still, Frank Wright was the And won a Super Bowl, for, right? He's yeah, been on Super Bowl, Super Bowl teams. as the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and he's played in the NFL as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, that I don't necessarily mind so much. Uh, so two things. I also want everyone to remember that this is the first year that Matt Rule is ever doing the preseason thing and ever really having to worry about fans being in the arena. Like we're yeah. we're we're forgetting that he's like a redshirt sophomore as a, as a coach. You know that redshirt year was that first year that was weird under the COVID rules. And I think that what we didn't even have the preseason last year, did we? Yeah, no, we had no preseason. So Matt Rule, like it or not, is still kind of learning on the fly as much as we wish that he was kind of adept on some of these things. Yeah, he's having to learn the hard way, just like a lot of our players are currently having to do. Another reason why the hot seat is going to really heat up for him after this year is that we will have had three seasons of Matt Rule and and Ron Rivera's first three seasons, that third season 
was when the Panthers turned it around and Ron Rivera won that coach of the year. So, you know, we're going to have a sample size to say, well, Ron was able to do it in that third year. We paid you all this money in a seven-year contract. After this year, if the Panthers don't look good, then there is no more grace period for Matt Rule. They have to figure out this quarterback thing um, or else his job is 100% on the line. Three or four seasons of uh, losing football, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. That's not acceptable, and that's not a good way to ingratiate your fans to this brand-new head coach. So that's kind of what I said to both of you early on this year. This entire team, from our coaching staff to our players to our front office, has so much to prove. Everyone has something to prove this year. So we should be expecting everyone's best performances all around. I, yeah, I think um, I think this is the second year is a pivot year for coaches, right? I mean, if if people are real, if if owners are patient, they're going to give a coach three years, right? But year two really determines if you're starting to say we really should give this guy four years, right? Right? Because if if year two is tough, I mean, people are calling for Ron Rivera's head after year two, right? They were saying this isn't working, right? Yeah. And then uh, the turnaround did come. Uh, with some important acquisitions that also, I mean, some some good drafts. And I saw someone ask, and we're not going to go down this road, but um, who was the better GM, Gettleman or Harney? Both of them had Super Bowl teams that went to the Super Bowl. I, I just think both of the um, both of them actually had somewhat kind of similar careers, and that is they had some success early, um, but then that continued success was difficult. You know, Gettleman at one point was like, I thought he was the answer, bro. I thought he was the answer. Um, so Matt Rule will be following the temperature of the coaching staff of how fans and w- wait until David Tepper starts to show some impatience, right? If we're in week 10 and we're two and eight, that's going to wear on him too. And he's going to start oh, getting yeah. less and less patient. Oh, yeah. You don't spend $2.5 billion on a football team and expect to walk into four losing seasons in a row. It is it is good to remember that we have not yet had a winning season uh, with David Tepper as our owner. Again, this is all relatively new to even right. for our, our ownership. New ownership, new team, new front office, new coaches. Where everything is still relatively new on this football team. That's why I think we all agree that Matt Rule, he's not going anywhere this year. Right. I mean, barring a catastrophic 0-17 season, then maybe sure, we're sure. talking about that. But other than that, yeah, I think they're going to give uh, Matt Rule for sure this year, and then it'll be on him. But 11-6 and six or 10-7 and seven make yeah. you feel that the team is building in the right way, and then you start talking about – year four right like if we if we get over if we get 10 or more wins you're saying this is rules done a lot right um so we'll be watching that monitoring that kind of the temperature of that discussion as we go forward why don't we go ahead and jump over to the cat calls guys and start working through them uh i want to go ahead and encourage everybody to smash the thumbs up button um support the show the best way you can support the show is just by sharing the show with a friend just retweet it on twitter you see it on Facebook, hit a share, uh, tell a friend about it. Just shoot a link to a friend and say, check out this 
uh, podcast that's live on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. But we also syndicate this the day after on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you get your podcast. We'd love for you to check all that out and continue to grow this community with us. Let's do that as we jump into the cat calls. The number is 252-228-5098. Don't forget the cat calls are powered by Avolta, where you can achieve energy independence, get a fixed um, energy rate for life. If you're a homeowner in North or South Carolina, call our boy Kevin Brown. Say you're a Panthers fan. You heard about it on, on a Panthers podcast, the C3 Panthers podcast, um, and he will hook you up. The number is 704-215-3373 for Kevin Brown. I know I'm throwing a lot of phone numbers at you right now. Let's go ahead and jump into these calls. You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels two, good. Like and a three and a four and a Who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his nose? Who's that kid that can use one? Hey, Tony. Hey, guys. This is Chuck from Elizabeth City. What up, Chuck? Okay, the Carolina sports guy. I just kind of wanted to talk about this offensive line. Uh, you know, didn't even give them the Will Greer chance the other day with third and two. One time on the third and two, they run – or fourth and two, they run the ball, didn't let the man see what he had. And then we had a third and two, and he had three false starts in a row. Yeah. Uh, terrible offensive line play with these backups. And now I guess we can say with our offensive line the last couple of weeks, we're a little more better or a little more worse. Because we got rid of Greg Little, and we got rid of David Moore, so we're a little more better or a little more worse. But anyway, we got to do some of these linebackers too. But I do start to feel the safety. I was really impressed with Kenny Robinson the other day, guys. Uh, but anyway, I, I'll leave another message later. I just want to get you guys take on everything. Like I said, the offensive line has been a focus, right? Um, and maybe we should um, actually. Now we'll keep going through the calls. Don't worry, Cody's got some things to say about the performance of Brady Christensen. And the other one is the big boy, not Snacks, who everybody, uh, they jumped on the Snacks yeah, that's bandwagon. Our D-line guy. That's huh? D-line, yeah. Um, who is the big Deontay Brown? Is that Deontay what it is? Deontay Brown, yeah, who got hurt at the end of the game. But he was out there today, and they're hopeful on him and his ability to return. Uh, I, I was looking so much at Christensen, I was so zeroed in on it that I forgot to look at Deontay Brown. But then when I did, man, I liked what I saw. And Matt Rule even went as far uh, as to praise him and what he saw from Deontay Brown, too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pushing toward that point where that's looking like the matchup uh, next to each other for the next few years. Deontay Brown at right guard and uh, Brady Christensen at right tackle, potentially. So we'll see. Give us a call. Give us a call at 252-228-5098 when I hear your thoughts on the little trade. Luke Keekley in Buffalo, the Panthers' top 100 uh, – not the Panthers, the top 100 NFL players. Were the Panthers snubbed or did the players get it right? And like Chuck said, the offensive line, all important subjects to talk about in your opportunity, 252-228-5098. Let's go to the next call. What's up, C3? It's your boy, Nova Black, in the building. You know, Nova Black! Watching uh, the post-game show and everything, and I agree with a lot, damn it, everything you guys are saying and everything. So, 
Here's my take. PJ, PJ, PJ. <laughs> you guys know I'm a PJ fan, right? I was like, you know, if they gave PJ four quarters, I have no doubt he would have had at least two touchdowns, 250 yards or more with the starters. So that being said, PJ, 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 the defense was fire as far as, you know, the backups go and everything. And I see, yeah, we were playing some of the starters and stuff like that on both sides of the ball. So our backups look pretty good for backups. So, you know, moving forward, that's a lot to look forward to. So I'm excited about all that. You know, Greg Little, just seeing that he was traded, he's out of here. Get him out of here. Keep him out of here, okay? Greg Little, boom, out the door. Check this out, though. The way that defense played, ah, man. I'm excited about all of that moving forward, you guys. I appreciate it. Hopefully, I'll be in the chat in the comments later tonight. I'm excited about the game coming up against Baltimore. I would love to see the starters in at least one series against the Baltimore starters, especially our defense against their starters, and then our offense against their starting defense because that defense is pretty good. Other than that, you guys keep pounding. I love you all. Keep bringing the heat. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, Nova Black, over and out. Perfect call, Nova. Miss you, brother. Um, Panther legend. When that one draft party, Nova Black was at the Bank of America Stadium and yeah. video Brian conferenced Brian into our video conference and let us enjoy the pick being announced at Bank of America. One of my favorite Nova Black moments. Always after a, one of those games, we all congregated in my room, too. Me, you, <laughs> and, uh, and Nova yep. Black showed up, too, man. That That's was, right. That was a good time. Shout out Nova, man. We love you, bro. And he was in the chat room earlier, so I know he's listening. I agree with the call wholeheartedly. Let's. Uh, I'm going to start with the first part is the defense that that the Panthers uh, put out there in that first preseason game. Sure, you can point to the second half where the Colts did mount a comeback, but I was really interested in the first two quarters where you saw the right. twos going. We did not have the starting guys, right? We already had some questions um, with the experience of our starters in the and the secondary, the depth of our linebackers. And um, they held their own, right? They got off the field a couple of times. You know, they held these guys to a low-scoring first and second quarter. So I like that, and I think that, man, you that shows potential of growth, right? And it also shows you potential when you see a Kenny Robinson. You see the other guy that made a giant stop um, in the – who was the guy that uh, – that safety that uh, came Sean in and Chandler. made a great play? Yeah, so we stopped some fourth downs. We stopped some third downs on them, right? Put them in some poor places. And like, um, and then the call, I do agree with PJ. I, I agree with the PJ Walker take. Um, PJ Walker started out hot in that game, four for five. Uh, I think he showed off the arm talent. Um, I think he um, was decisive, right? And, and so I think he saw and he acted a lot of times. And said, so I think that that's showing that the game is getting a little bit more comfortable to him. But there were some inaccuracies, too. It wasn't all good. And if you expect it to be all good, then you're kind of fooling yourself. So, I mean, yes, is PJ, you know, some of the plays a little bit behind the receiver, but still close enough where these guys can make the catch, right? So I think the more he plays, the more reps, the more comfortable he gets, you'll see the game slow down and those passes maybe be more on time. Right, it wasn't a ton of bad decisions. One play that Matt Rule did highlight that he wanted PJ to do 
differently was towards one of the red zone. It was towards the red zone uh, where he tried to thread the needle um, to, I think it was Terrence Marshall Jr. on that play. And rule said you could have got, and, and I even saw, I mean, like he ran halfway and he could have potentially gotten the first down uh, and maybe even ran in a touchdown, but I'm not even gonna go crazy about that. Is that in a game, I would say, go out there and put that on the line. But I like the idea of PJ trying to develop his passing instead of just saying, I'm going to run right. um, a- a- immediately. So I think PJ showed uh, potential. And um, and what is that potential? To be the backup. And I would like to see him get that, just maybe continue to get that opportunity. I don't think Will Greer is, is, the be- is a better player than P.J. Walker. I just don't think it. Which is more of an indictment on Will Greer. But listen, I think we've kind of seen what P.J. Walker is at this point. The dude has an absolute bazooka. Okay, he, he is, the, dude. I yeah, mean. he can throw the football down the field, and damn it, he's not afraid to do it, man. Uh, specifically on that go route down the sideline to Shy Smith, that was a beautiful pass. And he there was another the one in the end zone too that I think he just let it. He sailed it, but it well, still and, was a decent read. Yeah, but even on that pass to Shy Smith, like there was a uh, the uh, he had a corner on him, and the free safety was working over to his side. So that ball had to be up and away and in a perfect window, and he made that throw. Um, the yeah. fact of the matter is, though, is that he's much better moving outside the pocket than I feel he is inside the pocket. Um, and when he misses, he misses really high. He also had a bunch of third downs that he left out on the field just because he sailed the ball uh, a little too high. Our offensive line gave him a good enough pocket, and, you know, he just – he has that that tendency to miss high. I kind of think that's we've seen what PJ Walker is at this point in time. If he's running within the confines of the offense, I have no doubt that he can operate things well. But again, he's going to be inaccurate. Um, he's going to throw into double coverage sometimes. Uh, his eyes. But the more he plays, things. dude. The more he plays, the better he can become. And this, I don't want to just continue to write off. I don't want to write off players as we already know what they can be. You know, I mean, PJ Walker's been grunting it out in the NFL. He did a couple of years with Indianapolis, right? He's been fighting and scrapping on these teams, right? And he contributed to a win for us last year. And uh, and right when you start to hear a lot of Will Greer is looking good in the offseason, you see the video of him throwing this. What do the the Panthers do? They come out and start PJ Walker for the first, the whole first half. So yeah, yeah, is that is do I think that PJ Walker is a star in the making? I'm not ready. I'm not saying that, but he can get better, right? He can clean that up, and we've seen that he has some of the physical traits that could keep you and or that are just pretty decent for a backup quarterback, right? Is that like you think this is? Would you rather have PJ Walker or Josh Rosen at this point? Oh, PJ Walker, uh, no doubt. Okay, yeah. Now I don't want to shit on Will Greer too because I agree uh, with. Um, CK and your position in the post game show yeah. is that we really not getting anything to truly evaluate from Will Greer, right? So is that it hasn't looked good, right? But that's not entirely been in his control, despite that small sample set. From what I've seen, kind of that live ball from PJ, the ability to scramble a little bit more, you know, he just looks more. I mean, he's just more athletic. Yeah, I just, I, mean, yeah, I just tend to think he's in the lead. Yeah, I think he's, he's in the lead for this competition, yep. but 
and it's not a knock on Greer at this point because we don't really know. Um, I'm on the PJ bandwagon. I, I think we should just make a decision, right? Let's not. We're be, we better not bring no three quarterbacks in. But our uh, coach is aren't even ready to make a decision. Matt Rule said that he was disappointed in themselves and that they didn't really give P. Uh, uh, Will Greer a chance to throw the football downfield, and that at the end of the game they were trying to protect their lead, so the play calling was very conservative. So now I don't want them to make a decision this week, Cody. What I'm saying is this: is when we cut to 53, I don't want this indecisiveness. Indecisiveness. Give Will Greer the opportunity, at least, to prove people wrong. Not like, well, he didn't get a real shot. PJ was just okay. Now we're keeping all of them. Fuck that. I want one backup quarterback in, on this roster this year. None of this trifecta of scrubs anymore that we've had. Hey, uh, CK, will you do me a favor real quick, bro? What's up? Uh, we got 99 people watching. I, I need to put a little bit of shame on some people. You think we can make that happen? Yeah, we sure can. Mother. Subscriber shame. Hit that like button if you have not done so already, man. 96 people watching, almost at 147 thumbs up. Hit the thumbs up if you love Panthers content on a Tuesday night. Hey, what else would you rather be doing, man? This is this is therapy session for Panther fans. It's been like that every Tuesday. It'll be like that every Tuesday. Show some love. Hit the thumbs up button. And hey, if anything. Hit the thumbs up for that beautiful voice that CK has, right? Isn't that something? CK has a crazy voice. It's awesome. I know. I mean, it's the bestest streaming voice. What is it? <laughs> bestest voice in streaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bestest voice in streaming. You've got my All right. Man. The number's 252-228-5098. Let's go to the next call. Hey, guys. This is uh, Carlson Cohen in the chat is Island Bound 843 been a while since I've uh, called in, but I'm still around. Uh, I am disappointed a little, man. I'm disappointed in Greg Little. I am disappointed uh, in the staff a little bit as well. I don't feel like he ever really got a fair shot uh, between being in the concussion protocol a million times. I I just don't think he got very many chances to get on the field. Uh, I feel like he had loads of talent, moves well, got the requisite strength for the position. Now, I'm not going to lie, he's a little soft, but I think that's something that he needed to work through with on-field reps. So I'm disappointed, uh, wishing him the best, uh, thinking that, who knows, man, I think he legitimately might have a bit of a resurgence in Miami if he actually gets some reps. Uh, But I don't know who Miami has at left tackle, so I'm not sure if that's a reality or not. Uh, But regardless, damn you, Marty. Uh, overall, felt like the preseason game was decent. Uh, kind of bummed that I didn't get to see the starters, but I think I understand Rule's decision there. I don't know, man. I'm just ready to eventually see what Sam Darnold could do. I believe in the defense, uh, but I'm worried about Sam. I, I, he's got all the potential in the world. It's just about if he can put it together. Have a good one, fellas. Greg Little, man. What I mean, what what more can we say about Greg Little that uh, we haven't already? Uh, I got caller. one. Okay, go <laughs> I got one more thing. Right, one more yeah, thing is this is a continued example of the purge of players that aren't Matt Rules. 
Not, you know, I mean, that, but that didn't, I mean, every time we turn around, a guy who was here before Matt Rule here was here is gone. And not just in favor of a Temple or a, or a BYU player. I'm not saying that. But, you know, Greg Little just won't, he didn't have any, um, he didn't have any clout in the Matt Rule era just because he was traded up for and drafted high. Right. In fact, Matt Rule's trying, been trying to clean house like crazy. You see another example of a guy from the previous regime uh, that they're just not even really interested in entertaining the idea. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. But my only thing about this is is that he wasn't good. Yeah, people kind of tend to make excuses. You know, not everybody, but uh, if a player doesn't work out. You know, Matt Rule even said it about him in his press conference that maybe Greg Little just needs to change of scenery, which maybe he does, you know. But at the same time, maybe he just sucks. Like, this yeah. notion that guys were on the team and they just didn't get their fair shot. Like, this guy was a healthy scratch multiple different games last season. Right. Um, this is a guy who was traded up for in the second round, uh, who the Panthers had evaluated as a first-round talent under Marty Herney. So it's like, yeah, maybe he didn't get a shot, but maybe he's just soft. And I remember that was my... Yeah, it's just not good. It's not, he has not done anything good, right? And so I, I want to... You know, people give me shit about some of my darlings over the years, right? Chirp, Chirp, Baby Bird, Demir Bird, Cameron Artist Payne, some of these players, right, that I thought got snubbed unfairly and were contributors on the team. But you know what my favorite thing about those players were? At some point in very limited opportunity, they showed flashes, right? Like Demir Burb would slay the preseason. Um, Cameron Artis Payne played well in the preseason when he got when he got uh, opportunities with uh, in game. Played well. Greg Little may not have gotten a, a, as many opportunities as some people had wished, or um, who's the other guy we're talking Will Greer may have not gotten as many opportunities as people think um, that could have benefited them. But when they did have opportunities, they didn't do shit either. Yeah. Right, like they didn't really have a moment where you were like, you know what, in that one game, he did this. Like, you know, he had two touchdowns or whatever. You know, it just... It, They've it just, never had it, even one impressive one, series or snap. Right. And if, if you can't manage to do that, then it was not that you didn't get your fair shake or you didn't get a chance. No, man, you just weren't good enough. Every day, no matter who you are, no matter what your job is, you have to prove every day that you're good enough to have your job. No matter what it People is People get do. cut all the time, and they do show, show out. Yeah, 100%. So you have to fight for your job. Um Greg Little, I never liked this film, even when he played at Ole Miss. I thought it was too soft. Uh, I saw him got, get beat way too much. I mean, I wish him the best, man. These guys are all human beings. I wish him no ill will. But, yeah, it wasn't working here. And I'm happy that Federer at least got something for him. I mean, that was the best-case scenario. Yeah. We traded Coney Ely after three, uh, two seasons. Or three seasons, and uh, and he almost was the MVP of a Super Bowl. 
Yeah. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Is that like, if where were all the people saying Coney Ely needs more opportunity? Maybe there were, yeah. maybe there were people saying that. I mean, he did get the, uh-huh. you know, slated to start in 2016, but I'm just saying this is that he had a game. That's like a, like a, in, in 30 years when nobody in the world remembers who Coney Ely is and you bump into him and you bump into his grandson, he'd be like, watch what my grandpa did in the Super Bowl, homie. <laughs> Greg Little's grandson is not going to be able to say that. Right. Okay. Um, right. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, top 100 players released by the NFL. Who's this? An internal thing? Don't the players pick it? Yeah. Players uh, vote on it. Um, one player for the Carolina Panthers in the top 100. Guess who? The man, the myth, the legend, Christian Caffrey. Um, just a what do you what do you get? What was his number? He, uh, he was number like 44. 50 no, yeah. he's 44. 44? Yeah. Uh, and which is weird because uh, yeah, everybody he played what three games last year, and every game that he was in, we lost. Um, yeah, but he also had like five touchdowns in three games, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's super talented, and he had a two thousand yard season before. So, like everybody knows that he just got a shoulder injury. It's not like he fell off. Yeah, uh, apparently, what I'm hearing is that he's the only Panther on the list, and to me, that's kind of dumb. I think Jeremy Chin definitely deserves to be on that list. Uh, I don't care if he's a rookie. I think what he did last year. You see how many different categories he ranked number one. Yeah, you can't tell me that Jeremy Chin didn't. Didn't play. Where did, did his play wasn't indicative of a top 100 player? Did Chase Young make it? Yeah, Chase Young. I don't have the list in front of me, but yeah, I watch. I watch him every every year. I like to just start from 100 and just watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, let the videos play. Um, but yeah, he was uh, Cole Beasley, the receiver from the Bills, was on there. Calvin Ridley, the receiver for the Falcons, was there. No DJ Moore. Um, again, but you know, I. There's that part of me that wants to bitch about this, but then there's that other part of me that knows that the Panthers are always the best when everyone is sleeping on our talent. So good, dude. Don't let them rank no one. Let none of the Panthers players be ranked. I want every single player on this football team to have a chip on their shoulder, to play with their pads on fire, and come out and prove a point, man. So I could not give less of a damn about these stupid rankings, dude. Well, I have a little issue. Is I, I think the the one reason DJ Moore, there's actually only one reason DJ Moore isn't in the list, and that's the touchdowns, right? Because yeah. a lot of people said Corey Brown, but Corey Brown had 11 touchdowns last year, right? So, I mean, that's a double-digit touchdowns by receiver impressive. I'm more upset with Odell Beckham Jr. being in it over um, DJ, right? Because he's yeah. just been hurt the whole time. I mean, like He barely even – didn't he te- tear his knee up last year? Well, he um, hasn't even – even when he did play, he wasn't super impressive. Saquon Barkley, how many games did he play in? You know, um, oh, DJ Moore's eighty nine. It looks like if, if, if this list is right, I'm getting this one off of CBS. No, no, uh, this no, is CBS. No, 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 no. This the is the NFL, NFL top one hundred. Says NFL top one. He's got the NFL logo right here, though. Says NFL top one hundred players. No, it's like NFL.com. If you go to, have the, they gotten uh, a number one yet? No, so the next episode oh, okay. is... okay. And um, it's not right. Because no, uh, he's yeah. got Patrick then, Mahomes, number one, Aaron no, Donald, number two. Uh, the next episode is 40 through number one. 
Okay. So normally okay. They, every week they would have 10 players, but this year I like it better. They just dropped uh, 100 through 40 and then or 100 through 41, and then they're going to do 40 through one. Yeah, I'm much happier uh, with yeah. this. Just do it in one giant, you know, dump. Um, Brian Burns, yeah, well, I think Brian Burns is going to be on that list real high this year. A lot of uh, expectations on this. I think this defensive front could be impressive for the Carolina Panthers. Derek Brown, yeah, year two. Yeah. Brian Burns stepping into it, rotating dudes like crazy on the right side between YGM, Morgan Fox, uh, Marquise Haynes, Hassan Reddick. Tennessee Horn snapping interceptions out of the air, dude. Jeremy Chan. I just hope Dante Jackson's foot is healthy. Like, we need Dante Jackson. If Dante Jackson isn't healthy, like, we not only need him to be healthy, we need him to be pretty good, too. Yeah. And he was looking better last year. He was looking better after a couple years of, you know, initial success. Last year, the play seemed to be improved, but just struggling with that foot injury, that toe injury. All right. Um, Last and final, I think this is the last thing I need to talk about, and that is uh, discussion looking back at the – since there's been a lot of focus on the offensive line for the Carolina Panthers, right, Um, and and heading to the season. Really kind of – I guess a little – I think that some of the the conversation stems from not seeing it. Like like the caller said, um, I'd like to see Sam Darnold just a little bit. Yeah. Not because you need to see him, not because you think it would the reps are gonna necessarily help, but like we really have no idea what Sam what Sam Darnold were getting, right? And so the f- more the sooner we could see like one if he went out there and went four for four, you'd be like, All right, I'm feeling a little bit better. A little bit better, right? And I think that's some of the trepidation with the offensive line is there's been so much uncertainty, you know, it just hasn't been that good for so long. Yeah. And we don't even really know what we got at this point. And we sat everybody. Um, Cody, looking back, though, at this game, I mean, at this preseason game, since we did not get to see those starters, what did we get to see? Well, so one of the things that I have been saying uh, that we have seen is the emergence of two players on our offensive line. And, I mean, listen, if you've been following our podcast for any length of time, you know that I've been on this kick that um, our boy Brady Christensen is going to end up being our starting right tackle. And I think that, um, you know, we saw some good things from him. We saw some good things from Deontay Brown uh, on the offensive line. And I've kind of highlighted a few plays uh, for us to look at here and kind of uh, go through and talk about. So um, I'll try and uh, enlarge this right here uh, real quick. Um, so we see Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown watching the offensive line down, keeping a good pocket for PJ to be able to roll out good hand placement, real aggressive stuff by Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown uh, right here at uh, two minutes and 15 seconds. You're going to see a really athletic kick set by Brady Christensen at the top of your screen, uh, giving uh, PJ some time to work, keeping him clean, not letting any pressure get to him. And, uh, you know, again, just seeing those two guys work in tandem next to one another was impressive. Uh, We need to work on some hand placement a little bit, 
but I expect that to get better um, as time goes on. Um, right here, we're going to see uh, Brady Christensen down on the right. Does a good job of resetting his feet and his hands after kind of getting beat a little bit early on the play. But you see how agile his feet are, man. He expects the bull rush, gets his hands inside, and leads him around PJ and gives PJ enough room to step up into that pocket and, and try and make that throw. Uh, Deontay Brown also looked very aggressive on that play. Um, it's just a lot of good stuff from the right side of that offensive line. Um, a big third down and 10 right here. Speed rush coming from 52. Now that was a rep that I would uh, I would say Brady Christensen needs to work on a few things. Um, the He definitely was able to beat Christensen with a hand swipe. He's able to get to the outside right there. And um, that's definitely um, a, a rep for the defense on that play right there. And my biggest criticism of Christensen is hand placement. His feet always move very well. He's very strong, but his hand placement kind of tends to falter uh, from time to time. But uh, let's see how he recovered. Oh, this is that same third and 10. My apologies. Yeah. Moving on here. Backed up towards their own goal line, second and nine. And that again, was a decent hand strike right there. Yeah, right? 100%. Like, I mean, him a little, gives him a little punch right there. Yeah, I mean, he does a good job at anticipating the move of the defender. And again, how'd that play well, turn out? The PJ, what did PJ do? Pretty good. Um, yeah, this was a uh, pass to Terrace Marshall, oh. almost yep. for a first down. And yeah. it, 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 again, there are plays where the hand placement is all there. Um, it looks good, and he's able to use his strength to to anchor out and give the quarterback enough of a pocket to work with. First and twenty here, and even right there, the the defender kind of shrugs him off a little bit on this play, but he does a good job at resetting after getting his hands back to the inside and leading the defender around PJ. That was that incredible throw to Shai Smith down the sideline, by the way. Um, another player that I'm very high on this year. And, um, and this oh, you is like Shai Smith? Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, I never heard of him on this show before. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I love that guy, you know, which is weird because he's from South Carolina. I'm a Clemson fan, but whatever. Uh, and then this is by far the worst rep of Brady Christensen's day at left tackle. The defender gets their hands in his chest first. He maintains a good balance, but he was able to work inside. And if it wasn't for the mobility of PJ right here, yeah. So that uh, counts Brady, as a pressure, right? That would be yeah, a that, pressure. Yeah, that definitely counts as a pressure. Um, and again, it's something that he needs to work on, and it's all hand placement. Uh, his uh, his feet are phenomenal. I mean, the man is really an athletic right tackle. Um, he just needs to work on getting his hands inside more. Um, and I think a lot of that stuff will work itself out over time with more reps. But right now, you're seeing the athleticism that you want to see 
You're seeing the power that you want to see, um, his ability to reset after having a bad play. We saw a lot of really impressive stuff from Brady Christensen at right tackle, and I'm hoping that we can continue to see him improve. I um, One of the things that's interesting about these clips is all the, the two or three plays that you highlighted that you – where the kind of the weaker, where the weaker plays of the performance all turned out for positive yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, mean, that, I mean, I don't, I don't I'm not saying that that justifies uh, what you see on the tape, but at least it didn't end in disaster. Yeah, it didn't end up. Listen, a lot of people. Uh, he won't falling down like uh, Matt Khalil or he won't, no, you know, on one, skates or anything play. like um Really, there there was two. He played some some snaps at guard too, um, and, and you know that was kind of a mixed bag as well. He's definitely better serviced as a tackle than he is playing guard, and I hope the Panthers continue to give him snaps at that right tackle position. But listen, I mean, I showed you some of the clips right there. The man has all the athleticism in the world. His feet are phenomenal. Um, his arm length, I know people want to talk about arm length all the time, but until I see it become a problem for him on film, I could not care less about it. And Didn't they say it, the same thing about um, Slater a little? Short arms? Yeah. But, dude, who gives a damn? That dude right now. Uh, I know. He's dogging it like he's everybody's yeah. just uh, all on that, that was, D over that what he's doing in camp. Number one, that was my number one rated offensive tackle of the 2021 NFL draft. So yeah, that guy's living up to my evaluation of him, but we also picked up my number one corner of the draft too. And JC Horn. So sure, yeah, sure. Arm length, but that's my philosophy. Arm length isn't a problem until I see it become a problem on the player's film. If, if it isn't happening, then, you know, there are ways to overcome short arm deficiencies. Shout out to Panther rule in the chat room. He said, Joe Thomas, also had short arms, and that guy was a badass left tackle. You know, none of those things are uh, like not not any one measurement is a requirement for success, right? But what you're just trying to do is this: is um, you know there have been short guys who have been very successful in the NBA, right? So I mean, you couldn't you can't just rule out players who aren't six six, right, or high or taller entirely. But being tall is an advantage. Like it's helpful in basketball. So not having long arms is a helpful tool. But if you got long arms and you can't move your feet or you just suck, I bet you Greg Little had long arms. Yeah, he had very long arms. Yeah. He had huge uh, arms, huge frame, but just soft, dude. Like that guy couldn't play tackle to save his life. You, you just got to use – to, to, all right, so um, this is like when you work at big big businesses or organizations and they're running kind of data analysis of these giant institutions, right? Um, sometimes you can just get data blinded in a way. And that is like the data is a tool of analysis, right? You don't let the data entirely – like, I mean, we can find numbers – that justify all types of different things, right? Is that you can't right. just blind follow one statistic and disregard other statistics. Right? Wait, that, that's, and, that is human. That is literally everybody you're ever, like, that's everybody in the United States. 
Like that's every person that exists in the world. On so, right. yeah, in the world on social media specifically. Um, yeah. yeah. But you know, you have to um, you have to kind of like peer pierce through that. You use the data to drive decisions. You don't yeah. make blind, you know, decisions just on this blind thing. Well, he he doesn't have long arms, or what if he runs crazy fast but they can't catch? So um you know, all those things. And and when you go back to like the combine, right? And we've been prep. What I've always heard um, guys like Cody say, and every person that really seems to be inside of what to look for in the draft, that the combine doesn't determine if you're dra- drafting a guy, right? Like if you didn't have a guy on your radar at all, and they just shows out in the combine and you fall overly in love with him. That's kind of yeah. a mistake. What the combine needs to do is help to verify what you saw in the player before you measured their arms, before you measured right. their four speed. Right. So if you think this player, uh, it should almost verify your take. And if it doesn't verify your take, now you have to start asking, was my take uh, about the tape right? entirely yeah dude the 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 film comes before absolutely everything uh, i mean really uh if you you know a lot of these guys um for example remember orlando brown the tackle for the ravens dude that guy had a notoriously like he had one of the most historically bad combines that a tackle could ever have i think he only put up like 15 on the bench press the dude had a terrible combine, but when I watched this film from Oklahoma, I'm like, dude, this guy can play. This guy can really play, and he ended up being a very good player that just got paid, man. So, you know, uh, you're, the film, you have to be able to see a player at a specific position do everything that you're going to ask them to do in your offense or defense, and if they check those boxes, then, yeah, the the, the combine, you want to confirm some of the athletic traits that you see on film, but it doesn't always work out that way. Or even enhance the takes you had, right? So yeah. you go, man, I think this guy's fast. I think he's got foot this. And then he runs the four, the 40, and you're like, boy, I thought he was fast, but that was smoking fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, so, um, you know, that's why, you know, there's also like workout warriors. Right. There are people and some people said 100%. this about Sam. I, I have like a lot of the Jets fans I talked to said that uh, Sam Darnold's like this. It's like he does all the things in practice you want him to do. Um, he says the right things. He does all this. It's just like when the rubber hits the road is when the problem is. And so some people are really athletic and awesome in the gym, uh, but they can't play football. Yeah. Hey, uh, I wanted to read this comment by Nate Montiero. Uh, Nick with the 999 love bomb says, check out number 62, Aaron Montiero. Yeah, that's his cousin. I don't care if it is or not. That's Nick Montiero's cousin. Uh, number 62, Aaron Montiero. He's a sleeper old lineman. If he continues to improve, play left guard and right tackle after the last drive before the half. Rule spoke well of him as well. Um, and that is true. Shout out to Aaron Montiero. A lot of guys are using this opportunity and I think that's why we like that preseason game 
and that we didn't see the starters. A lot of the guys that needed playing time, like an Eric Montier or Aaron Montiero, pardon me, they got to get some extra snaps, and that's going to benefit him and his team long term. Also, shout out to Grim Reaper for the $5 love bomb. Keep pounding, C3. Thank you so much, brother. And, um, yeah, man, we're, I, I'm a fan of, of how we went about the preseason. I hope we continue to do it. Do you have any comments about Brown? Deontay Brown? So, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I don't uh, think we got to him yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you uh, – I, I mainly highlighted Brady Christensen on most of those plays, but Deontay Brown on most of them was right next to him. I thought that he kind of confirmed what I saw from him at Alabama. He is a dominant right guard, and uh, he is a people mover. I mean, that guy can straight up bounce you out the paint, move you out the way. And um, he was really good in the pass protection department today. And that was one of the areas that most evaluators said he needed to work on the most, that he was dominant in the run blocking game, but he really needed to work on uh, his pass protection. And I thought him next to Brady Christensen, I thought they looked damn good, super powerful. Um, I'm really hopeful that Deontay Brown is going to be our future at the right guard position. He's the one that looks like Bowser, right? Yeah, number 77. Okay. Um, last uh, question about this offensive line. What does Trent Scott need to do uh, this week going forward? Um, because a second week in a row could start to make us question um, if there was a little just a kind of uh, rookie success. Um in that last year, I think he was a rookie. And Dennis Daly's also coming back from an injury, which is good news just for having the body. And he's played some okay snaps for us as well. But what do you think Trent Scott's going to do on that left side uh, before they start getting a little bit more impatient and just trotting that out? Mm. Not false start. Would that be the first <laughs> one? Yeah. Not false start. Um, continue to work his way into the rotation. I mean, as of right now, He's kind of the third option at both tackle positions. I mean, technically, they did say that Trent Scott um, was technically the head of Brady Christensen right now. Um, I don't know if I buy that. Uh, during the press conference, Matt Rule kind of had a Freudian slip. He mentioned uh, Brady Christensen first when talking about depth after Taylor Moten. It was like, uh, yeah, Brady Christensen, uh, but then also Scott. Scott would probably go in there. We'll work him in. So right now he's sort of battling for that third tackle spot. Um, and listen, that's a very important player to our football team. I mean, even if Trent Scott doesn't become a starter, like he's almost for sure the number two guy at both of those positions. So I feel like we're going to need him. I do not trust Cam Irving to be healthy this whole season, and I don't believe in his talent level. Um, I do think we saw – some good things from Trent Scott, who, by the way, was drafted in the same draft as Greg Little in the sixth round at the same position. So, uh, you know, it just goes to show you even further what Greg Little was really capable of when the sixth round guy is able to beat you out. But um, he's definitely in contention uh, to compete for a backup job, and that's really important for us right now. 
I think that's about it, guys, when it comes to the Panther news. Uh, what's the, I guess, what should we look forward to coming week? I, I'm going to be trying to check down Tim Jenkins this week. Um, he's the, we, we've had him on the show. He's a big hit, um, former NFL quarterback. But um, related to this, uh, to the Panthers, is he's the one that is the quarterback's coach for P.J. Walker in the offseason. So he goes and stays with him and works with him. So I'm going to try to hunt him down for maybe like a Thursday interview or something like that and see what he saw in the first game of the preseason. If I can't land him this week because it's my it's the first week of the semester for me, so it's kind of busy, um, and I kind of last minute hit him up. I just actually haven't even asked me. I was just like, hey, you watch that tape? <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, maybe if, even if it doesn't work out this week, maybe the following week um, after we see that Ravens game. Right? Joint practices with the Ravens this week, right? Something to be looking yeah. forward to talking about. And yep. – uh, Saturday game, which makes for a Saturday night post game show. Um, Friday free for all is another thing that you can hang out, oh, jump yeah. in, uh, jump around and get around the round table on Friday night and just chop up whatever you want to talk about from jersey colors to players to most love to most hated, whatever you want to talk about. It's got to do with the Carolina Panthers and those tangents that we get on. Uh, you're welcome to join then. Um, in the Ravens game, right? Seven o'clock, I think, kickoff on Saturday. Yeah, seven o'clock kickoff on Saturday. So what? That would put us in going live at about eleven. Ten thirty. Yeah, ten thirty, eleven. Maybe we will um, go early a think, little bit sooner than the game. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Is that's a good idea? Is like maybe we? Um, why don't we jump on at the end of the third quarter? I'm down. Definitely and down. what we can do, we'll have the game kind of in the background so we can kind of talk about what's going on uh, and kind of move that show up a little bit. Because, you know, uh, who knows what it's going to look like at that point. Yeah. Um, I think the only reason I watched this game all the way to the end, the first one, like eyes glued on the TV is one, I hadn't seen football in so long. And two, yep. um, the Colts came back. You know, so all of a sudden it was tur- like the actual game was tight enough to be entertaining. Um, so, well, yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, let's plan on sometime in the fourth that the, after the third getting on and getting the show going. Um, last part of the show is the ice up segments where we tell someone to ice up, toughen up, get it together. Um, anybody got a good one this week? I feel like if you gave me a minute, I could come up with one, but I okay. don't have one right now. My, so uh, all right, my ice up pick goes to going back to work. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, I've been working. I've been blessed to have a job the entire time of COVID. I've been blessed to have a job that could be done remotely. I've been blessed to have a job that I didn't have to wear a mask all day long. I've been blessed that my office mate uh, also works at the same place as my wife, right? Hottest office mate I've ever had. I even, May have sex with her. My own, the person, my office mate at work, totally. But it's also my wife. Uh, so it's just right. been uh, a. It's been it, the COVID. Like I've had, like the COVID wasn't as uh, bad uh, on us when it came to work as it has been for other people. Um, and so I also don't want this to sound um, insensitive. Um, insensitive. Insensitive. Thank you um, to people because I know, like guys, I got people. Uh, a friend of mine owns a restaurant and they're just having so much trouble finding help too. Right. So is that, so my, my problems are good problems to have, but today was the first time I had to physically be 
And technically, I didn't even have to go. But it was like the first day of the semester, like it's called convocation. So I went to my office for the first time in a year and a half. And first, I forgot what my office even looked like. It looked like I had uh, left because the last time I was in my office was right before I left for spring break for Italy. And we came back from Italy in the COVID joint. And then the very next day uh, that um, we were they were going to make us quarantine the whole college and world shut down. So I didn't even have to do that. But like my coffee mug that was left had like obviously I left like one little sip in it. And now it's just like still there. Brown cake. I mean, it's not even that thick. I mean, it's so th- I mean, but it's just um, I had like the debt. My desk was like uh, it looked like someone picked up and ran out in a craziness. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you went maybe like apocalypto type stuff. So uh, I'm icing up having to go back. I don't think I'll ever dress up like I used to. I don't know if I'm going to pull the shirt and tie every day like I used to that I did pre-COVID. Um, but here's a funny thing. And so this is icing up going back. But this is how I was. I was like, I even put on Twitter when first days are the worst days. <laughs> like uh, it's like a kind of like a biggie tone. You know, uh, we used to be thirsty. Now we ship champagne yeah. No, or Thursday, whatever that line was. Um, but I get to work today, and this was kind of funny. The top piece of paper in my stack of ridiculous crap that's like where I keep it, like right what you're supposed to deal with. The top piece of paper was an email. And the last thing I was doing was May March 4th, 2020. <laughs> like that was the last, and I was just like, God, this has been so long. So it was tough. It was tough. So ice up going back to work particularly when you can do your job virtually. Um, and um, and then they make you do all this crazy stuff, um, whether it's for optics, whether it's out of realness, who knows. Um, but that's it. Ice up. Ice up. So, uh, okay, you got something? You go ahead. I mean, I was just going <laughs> to ice up. No. He's just going to ice up not using data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I do have an ice up. I'll, yeah, yeah. Go, right, Should go, ice right. up God, Joe Biden and uh, and uh, this whole Afghanistan mess? Oh, uh, dude, dude the chat hear- was already going crazy with this earlier. I was. Did you hear to something like uh, somebody told me yeah. this? And I hope I'm not stealing yours because if I am, I'll let you go. I'm not. Uh, but uh, are no, you going to do Joe no Biden? Intention of talking about okay. that. Uh, no, it's just somebody told me that there was they played a clip from like two months ago where he said. The Taliban can't do anything. They got an army of 300,000 in the Air Force. And then, like, one day, this motherfucker fell. Like, Saigon looked like a slow, slow thing. Uh, right. Yeah, no. That's, uh, it, it, listen, he probably didn't even remember what he said today, let yeah. alone two months ago. Yeah, if he had the right meds, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll refrain from... Uh, no, I'm not trying to get into it, but it's like no, it's kind I, no, of no, no, no. I mean, like there's like a I, whole. It's the picture. I always, I always feel very strongly about this shit, but I know that the conversation is just never no, ends up being. I, I don't even feel strongly, and I used to care. Like I would fight over this stuff all day long. Like I really could care less. But I will say this: that picture that uh, has been going around of the Afghan Afghani people, like holding on to the plane yes. as it pulls out, that's gonna be. Uh, in textbooks that's going to be the representation 
like in the closing chapter of a early uh, of a of an American history textbook, and we while we go right. through America's longest war, right? Because that would be the name of the title. Like that would be the title of the chapter is America's longest war. Uh, because there used to be a book, and it's a crazy great book, America's longest war, and that was on Vietnam, but it's been replaced now. So just think of that picture they put with the helicopter and them leaving the embassy that we that we remember from the Vietnam images. This yeah. plane will be the picture in every textbook um, to show, well, like, kind of been, representing that moment. People have been comparing this to the fall of Saigon. That this is yeah. like our generation's version of that. So that was even though that was even, I think, slower than this. This happened in like two days. Yeah, two uh, weeks. I mean, it was like it was like unopposed. I mean, yeah. So anyway, uh, I just think that's interesting as a historian. That picture's got legs on it, bro. It's going to be iconic. Yeah, I, I it's definitely sad what's going on right now. Again, I could spend a whole hour talking about No, nah, we're not. All right, get us your ice up. But pick. yeah, my ice up pick. Dude, I'm going to ice up everybody who shits on Tim Tebow. And you know why? Because let me tell you about what, about, about our, our boy Timmy Tebow. Timmy Tebow said, you know what? My old coach Meyer is going back to our old stomping grounds in Jacksonville, Florida. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pop up for training camp. I'm going to join the team. Just long enough for me to have the number one selling jersey on NFL <laughs> shop oh. for a number of fucking weeks, make a ton of fucking money off of it, and then I can cut and peace out, and I'm still fucking living high on the hog, dude. Everybody wants to shit on this guy. You know, he, he went out to make the team. He didn't make it. But that guy is laughing all the way to the bank, dude. All he tries to, to you know, there's a, he's willing to take the roasting, you know what I mean? Went and did baseball, people making fun of him after they yeah, made fun that, of him as a quarterback, yeah, this and that. In himself. If he wants to try, who are we to tell him no, man? And make a boatload of cash in the process. Like we live in a hater culture. Whenever we see someone gaming the system or yeah. figuring out the best way to make the money or do something that other people wishes they could do, People just hate on it and talk a bunch of shit. So it's like, dude, don't hit the player. Hit the game. You know, if you don't like how it went, who cares, dude? Tim Tebow was able to do it. So um, I up to all the all the haters, man. Tim Tebow did his thing and made a buck doing it. So, um, yeah, bro, that's about it for me. That's my ice up pick. Ice up, son. Uh, thanks, Felix Graham said he, uh, thanks for your service. Um, if that isn't too cliche to say, um, so put the, and I don't know if you highlighted this comment already. He said, uh, serve my time in Afghanistan. This was going to happen no matter who the president was and decide to pull troops out. Just no president wanted it to be them. That's what they, they say. No president wanted to do it. He wrote Afghans refused to fight for their own country is what, uh, Felix Graham's take is on that. All right. Um, ice up the haters. Uh, right. uh, because, uh, you know, I just think this, I actually like the, I, I got more, I like, I just like Tim Tebow when he was a quarterback. Um, I liked him. I won't say I, I don't dislike or like him or, but, uh, it takes kind of some guts to go out there and fail in front of the world. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, is that like, is that, and, and if this was a no name guy, if this was a guy that had been working at a grocery store, 
who made a 90 person team and got cut, we wouldn't be making fun of him. We'd be praising no. his effort to go. So anyway, um, all right. That's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by Carolina cat Chronicles.com every Tuesday night, uh, 9 PM. We chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. A lot more content coming now down the pipe since yes. um, football is here. Like I said, we have the Friday night free for all. We have um, the post game shows that are going to be a staple. The post game shows are lit folks. Don't forget to call in at 252-228-5098. When we get into the season, I really want people to try to limit their calls for the post game to one call, right? Because when we get into the regular season, it's going to get, to like 70 calls or something. Right. And when it gets to some point, we're going to then have to start making business decisions about how many calls and things like that. So when you just let's start practicing now in these post games to like really wait and say, this is the take I want to make uh, before you call in prematurely and then change your mind or add 12 things on. But I do appreciate anybody who calls in. If you call in 10 times, I love you for it. I love that passion. I love your support of the podcast. The number is 252-228-5098. So we're just trying to find ways to continue to just incrementally improve the show, right? Um, I think this will be our third year of doing post-game shows. Um, so that's going to be fun. Uh, Friday Night Free-For-Alls, post-game show this Saturday, and so maybe uh, some other content uh, when we can sneak it in. I'm not going to speak for other people just yet. I'll let them do it when they figure it out, but also I'll try to track down uh, Tim Jenkins and get you guys something on PJ Walker. All right. Uh, new daddy. We appreciate the support. Smash the thumbs up button. It's free. Share the show. It's free. Follow Cody Lashney. It's free. And where can they get after your work? I know you're a big time on Twitter. Great follow on follow on Twitter and always involved looking ahead down towards the draft. Yeah, man. Listen, follow me on Twitter at Cody Lack. I'm always willing to talk shit about some Panthers football. I'm always tweeting about the Carolina Panthers, hot takes, all kinds of shit. And uh, I'm I'm normally pretty good about responding to. So I'll follow you back. Follow me, and uh, we can talk Panther football. I am also the Panthers analyst on DraftTech.com, where I write first and second round comments for the Carolina Panthers. Um, that's going to be updated weekly uh, coming up here soon. And, and then, listen, y'all, Fridays is for y'all. It's the Friday free-for-all. That's what it's for, man. If you want to come in and talk shit and get on the on the video with us and join the stream yard, you can do that, man. You can make your opinion known. I'll have some stuff to talk about on the show, but the Friday free-for-all is for you. Whatever you want to come on to talk about, whatever you have on your mind, that's what the Friday Free For All is all about. Join us every Friday at 7 p.m. right here on the C3 Panthers podcast. Fantastic. I'm going to be on Buck What You Heard tomorrow night. Uh, I think it's 7 Eastern. Um, CK, where can they get after you? The bestest streaming, voice in streaming. Uh, you can find me on uh, all social media platforms, Codizzle Allen um streaming on facebook um uh in early in the mornings and uh you know hey uh we got some uh, uh maybe some gaming content coming to the page here in a little bit so uh into the to the cat chronicles to the c3 page so keep your eyes open nice. for that nice we're always sure. looking for new video games to 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 talk about because i you know i read a story on uh how the 
PlayStation Five is a bust. Like today, like they were like all the hype, and it's just sitting there and not getting. I was that was interesting to me. I'm glad I don't have one because I would pay all that money and barely play it. <laughs> COVID um, really hit them hard, and a lot of the launch the video titles, game, yeah. yeah, that they intended to do because it, it's it's a lot of uh, close quarters in those development halls, man, where people are making those games. So, um, but yeah, what they've got a bunch of games coming out here soon. That's it's gonna really start to pick up. All right. All right. Um, all right. So we'll see you Friday at the latest. All right. Um, till then, keep pounding. Let's get out of here. Peace and love, y'all. Keep pounding. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.